Hi, my name is Michael Apple, and I'm in discussion today with Professor Pietru Terblanche. She's the managing director of a company called Afrigen Biologics and Vaccines. It's a company based out of Cape Town. Profits, great to chat to you. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, your company's name was recently mentioned by the Director General of the World Health Organization. You were chosen to be, well, let's call it a manufacturing facility as part of this technology transfer hub initiative of the WHO. Uh, there are six countries in Africa that have been chosen as these hubs. And they're basically, according to my understanding, going to be ramping up production of vaccines for the African continent. Tell me about the journey from, I think, April 2021, when the World Health Organization put out this expression of interest. Tell me about that journey and your partnership now with the World Health Organization. Michael, thank you. So, um, you know, after the realization um, in early 2021 that Africa is not going to receive the vaccine supplies that is so absolutely critically need to reach a 40, at least a 40% vaccination of the population, WHS came out very strongly with partners with a strategic initiative to establish capacity and capability in Africa and in and low and middle income countries to produce their own vaccines. The model that WHO and partners chosen is an interesting one. It's a hub and spoke model. It means that there will be a hub concentrated effort uh, which will develop technology, products, processes, standard operating procedures, full dossiers, which will then be transferred to spokes and set them up and train them to be able to make commercially viable batches of a vaccine that meets all the safety, efficacy, and of course, affordability criteria for low and middle income countries. Now, Afrigen uh, put a consortium together with Biovac here in South Africa and the South, South African Medical Research Council and put a proposal to WHO in April, May 2021 to become the hub for this initiative. The decision after a full due diligence and technical review was to appoint South Africa Consortium led by Afrigen to be the hub for this very, very ambitious but very critical process to enable low and middle income countries to be self-sustainable. The reason why our application was so attractive amongst the 50 plus that was received by WHO is firstly, we already had spoke Biovac to go with us to fast track the transfer to, of, commercial, of commercial manufacturing. Afrigen had a vast experience in technology transfer. We had a pipeline of vaccines in development. And most important, we had powerful partnerships in the South African national system of innovation that allows us to also develop a long-term sustainability for this initiative. In other words, that we are valid and, and relevant after COVID. Um, for, WHO, for WHO, that was very important. We, we, to, to, to invest in capacity and capabilities and for only one product is not a sustainable model. So what was very important is to establish a model that creates a platform. And that's what Afrigen is doing here. We're creating a platform which will allow us to develop processes and products beyond COVID-19. HIV, TB, Lassa fever, uh, influenza, still a very, very common disease um, across the globe. 
So the the hub at Afrigen were, were, were fully established. Um, uh, we are now almost fully established, but we have gone ahead and we've now developed our own vaccine candidate in close collaboration with Wits University. The original model was that we will receive a technology transfer from either Moderna or, or BioNTech and that we will fast track development. Be- that didn't happen. But the scientists in South Africa with their knowledge and experience and drawing from international knowledge um, and technical advisors were able to, within a period of two months, made a vaccine candidate, an mRNA vaccine candidate, candidate based on the Moderna sequence of 1273. Prof, if you could stop there for a second. So basically, what you're saying is Moderna was asked if they would, um, along with this technology transfer, if they would assist in terms of the intellectual property of what goes in to their mRNA vaccine. As I understand it, Moderna, Pfizer, they weren't extremely forthcoming with uh, wanting to part with the the intellectual property. Uh, And it was actually through, as you say, the brilliance of our scientists that we managed to, I suppose, reverse engineer the Moderna mRNA to be able to, to reproduce it. Is that correct? So, Michael, we'd like to use the term forward innovate. And the reason being, reverse engineering implies that we took the vaccine, we took the vials, we analyzed it, and we made it. Uh, That is not what we did. We took the sequence, which was published by Stanford University. It's in the public domain. And with the combined knowledge of of the fantastic South African science base between this university um, and Afrigen, we were able to forward innovate and make vaccines. At Labska. Yes, we did not get a technology transfer from Big Pharma. We, in fact, we, we, we have not received any help. But in a way, that is a blessing in disguise because the scientists now have, have used their own knowledge base, their own um, freedom and creativity and, and, and uh, abilities to, to apply their knowledge base to make a product and therefore they're not in a box. We are not boxed in. We have found, we have, we have developed processes which has some unique, uh, unique qualities and properties. Although we, our aim is to make a vaccine that is non-inferior and very as close as possible to the Moderna vaccine because that way we will, uh, we will, we will prove our capacity and capabilities. Now, this technology package will now be transferred to Spokes. And you've heard recently on, on Friday the fantastic news that there are now f- uh, six spokes in Africa. Five have been announced on Friday. This is a phenomenal step forward to capacitate this continent to, produ- to produce mRNA vaccines, not only COVID, other vaccines also, and to establish a platform that is future relevant. There may be uh, an a, an uninformed argument out there to say there has been such vaccine hesitancy in South Africa, you know, b- between 40 and 50% of the population is, is, uh, has been vaccinated. You know, why is the WHO looking to bring this here? But to give South Africans a perspective on what's going on on the rest of the continent, only 
only 20%, less than 20% of the people on this continent have even received a single dose. Is that correct, Prof? Actually, the latest numbers, I think, were 11%. 11% of people on the continent, South Africa looks much better, and there are pockets on the continent that also has is, is higher vaccination rates. But in all, 11% of people on this continent have, been, have received only one 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 dose, one vac- vaccination. We It will be very difficult for us to fully arrest and contain this pandemic unless we globally reach at least 40% of vaccination rates. Um, and and there, there is an ecosystem around it that will support it. It's not only about manufacturing and supply. You're absolutely right. It's about advocacy. It's about uh, us informing populations. It, it is about us also positively influence populations to understand how important it is to be vaccinated. And only 1% of the vaccines that have been administered in Africa were actually manufactured in Africa. Is that correct? That's correct. Africa uses about 25% of the vaccines produced globally, but we're only producing 1% of what we need. And therefore, it is it is time that the continent take a concerted effort to change those those statistics. And as you know, the the African Union and African CDC is now starting to implement the vaccine manufacturing strategy to produce 60% of the vaccines this continent need by 2040. Um, and that 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 strategy is be, is bound to be implemented quite successfully. If we look at the resources and the energy that's now being put into into implementation, I think Africa. This is the time where Africa will reach those very important goals and socioeconomically economically develop the sector in on on this continent. Prof, in terms of this latest variant Omicron, which uh, had a lot of more mild symptoms, let's let's say, there is a lot of vested interest from pharmaceutical companies who have spent billions on research and development. And I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. The, the Omicron variant, we are told, is sort of, it's a much milder form. It's definitely, it wasn't as deadly as, as Delta was. The need for vaccines in South Africa, are we looking at a situation where the variants are becoming milder and the need for vaccines is going to remain. At least that would be the business model that pharmaceutical companies believe in. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, Michael, there's, there's, there's a lot of complexity in, 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 these, in this in viral and, and, and epidemiology of, of COVID-19. I think this has been a fantastic learning curve for the whole world. So Omicron is very effective but mild in symptoms. Uh, and there was a hope, and there is still a hope, that maybe this is the, this is the variant that will put, us, put this pandemic into the annual influenza category. Um, that still remain that people will get annual vaccinations, um, and that is a, that is a that's a great market, and that that could bring sustainability to a sector also in Africa because we you know we can create the manufacturing sector, but we have to ensure it's sustainable. However, there is sufficient scientific evidence and fear that because there's such a large a complement of the African population not vaccinated, and because we also have a fairly large complement of the population that is immune suppressed, that we run the risk 
of having more and more variants. There are multiple, and there it is not impossible that the next variant may be not only very infective, but also very, very uh, clinically um, dangerous. And, and we don't know. Nobody can tell. No scientist, no, no epidemiologist can really predict. The only thing that we do know, if we reach a certain level of vaccination for this primary sequence of this virus, we have increased protection and there will be a lesser probability of variants developing that could be quite devastating to public health. Lastly, uh, Prof, what are some of the benchmarks you're looking in terms of the number of vaccines now that you have uh, have been able to, um, and the, the teams have been able to, let's call it, reproduce the Moderna mRNA? Um, you had a lot of very fantastic scientific language I'm not going to venture into, but you've been able to to reproduce it. What are the, the figures of vaccines you're going to be looking to, to manufacture for the continent? So if you look at this model, it's a hub-and-spoke model. So Afrigen has now made this vaccine candidate at laboratory scale. We will now scale it up to 5 litres, 30 litres. Now, if you translate doses, that's a few million doses because the mRNA is such a beautiful platform. We will transfer this technology to BioVac. BioVac will have the capacity to produce 250 million doses of this vaccine. The five other spokes on the continent would have similar capacity. That gives us a billion, just over a billion doses uh, of vaccines for the African continent. So um, from, a, from, a, from a supply to and demand perspective, we would be able to supply the half, well, 60% of the needs of the African continent for COVID-19 vaccines. That, that, is, that is quite significant, and this could be done in three to four years. But remember, at the same time, because we created a platform, we will now start working on other vaccines. And this what, is first, what is first on the agenda there, Prof? What is the most pressing, do you think? It's interesting. The discussions we're having tomorrow evening with, with experts globally is, of course, looking at TB. It's, of course, looking at HIV, Ebola. Uh, even annual influenza is 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 of importance to us. So we hope that we will, in the next two or three weeks, make the decision on what is the next one. Apart from Omicron, we've started making a vaccine using the same platform for Omicron, but that's that's more because we wanted to 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 test the platform, but we also want a backup compound, a backup vaccine to to the primary one. So we will announce in the next month what, what would be the priorities and who will be our partners because we have also created partnerships across the globe to work on improved processes, improved vaccines, better thermostability, um, lower payloads, and also then, of course, for other diseases of importance to the burden of disease on this continent. Uh, Prof. Petro Tablanche, it's a great pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Michael.